anytime African leaders go to international conferences, they end with, with asking for stuff, you know? And so it's almost been perceived that anytime an African leader speaks, they, they're going to borrow or they're going to beg. And because of the challenges that Africa has gone through from colonization, building back up, um, Africa has had to rely on the West a lot for aid to be able to fund basic um, services in the country, in the various countries like healthcare, education, infrastructure. But that is changing. That is changing because the continent is growing and we're getting educated and we're building our own infrastructure and we are utilizing our own resources. And the South African president is saying times are changing. We are not beggars anymore. We will not beg for anything. If we come on the table, we are coming as peers. You better hold up your end of the bargain. That even as we were going to address an issue of the war, which has had a negative impact on the African continent, which is the rise in prices for food, rise in prices for fertilizers, we were clear that we are not going there as beggars. We are not going to ask for a favor to both Ukraine and Russia. We were going there to say, open up the Black Sea Channel so that the, sea, uh, the, the, the grains and the fertilizers should go into the world market. So we were not on a begging mission, even as we are in great need as a continent and all that. That should go to demonstrate that Africa is, should never be seen as a continent that needs generosity. We want to be treated as equals. Hello guys, how are you doing? Welcome to another episode of our conversations. My name is Indira Ganga. I am a business journalist by profession and a digital content creator. I love coming on here and having conversations with you guys about Africa, our empowerment, and what we can do to rise up to the challenge and take up our rightful place at the global stage. Most recently, African leaders were in Paris and the president of South Africa, Cyril Ramaphosa, got an opportunity to speak. And what he said really caught the world by surprise because he went against the norm. Um, there's always been this perception that Africa is poor. We don't, we don't disagree. Some parts of Africa are very poor. Even the most developed African countries still have traces of poverty in their country. There has been conversations that there's diseases here and hunger. It's true. It's true. Even in Kenya, where is one of the developed economies in Africa, there's still hunger. There's still famine. Yeah, thanks to like climate change and global warming, we still struggle with food security. There are conversations that there's war in Africa. Please, we do not disagree. But in the same Africa, Rwanda is a very peaceful country. You know, after the genocide, Rwanda has been a fairly peaceful country for over 20 years. Ghana is another country that will go to elections and whoever wins, wins, and it continues, you know. Nigeria went to elections. They did not agree with the elections and whoever was put in office was not necessarily who the young people in the country wanted. They went to the Supreme Court. Fairly peaceful transition. So two things can coexist. At its high time, we begin changing the perception of Africa. So that perception of beggars has, has stuck with us. This is funny because um, most of the time, even when I travel as a journalist, the way people look at you and the way they perceive you, like you're educated, you speak English, you have a little bit of money to your name, maybe more money than them. They look at you like, wow, 
where what planet are you from are you really africa yes yeah the continent is making strides is making strides and that's what the south african president was saying that there was a time he looked at, at us as beggars but we're not beggars anymore so if you want to have a conversation with us Treat us with a little bit of respect. Put some respect on our name. Treat us in a dignified manner. If you say you're going to do something, if you pledge to doing something, for example, the climate change um, funding for adaptation and mitigation, Africa is the least emitter in terms of um, gases into the air because we are not as industrialized as China's and America's and the Europe's, but we pay the price. I currently am in Rwanda and just a couple of months ago, there was heavy rain. There was a um, landslide that killed people. The, the, the rain was, the landslide rather, was in the northern part, which is the food basket of the country. So these are the countries that are paying the brunt. Kenya, uh, when it rains, it floods. And then when it's dry, it's really, really, really dry. Nothing can survive. So Africans are paying the price for industrialization in the West. And when this country say, we're going to pledge some money for adaptation and mitigation, then they don't hold up the end of the bargain. And it's almost like African countries have to go and beg, beg because that is what they've, they've, they've been doomed to do. And Cyril Ramaphosa is saying, nah, not anymore. We're not going to beg you. I think there is consensus that is clearly embraced by everyone that we need to address climate and poverty uh, because they go together, there's a nexus. And as it were, we need to burn the candle on both sides. So that's important, so that's agreed. And we all recognize and accept that we need capital at scale to address the key challenges that many countries in the world face, particularly the developing economy countries. And we also would be agreed that there needs to be more cooperation and coordination between your development banks, multilateral development banks and the private sector. Uh, there needs to be coordination so that there is no fragmentation, which you kept talking about. But I think what is important to many of us is that there should be solid consensus on the reform of the financial architecture of the world. Because without that reform, the dreams and the objectives that we have to address our challenges will not be realized. And that ref those reforms need to touch on a whole range of issues. Mr. Mo Ibrahim yesterday even spoke about something that we may think is insignificant, that the boards of directors of your multilateral institutions are not made up of independent directors. They are largely internal people or shareholders. So that in itself, for us, is an important reform. Uh, we also need to look at the distribution of the special drawing rights. Uh, I, I find it a bit difficult to be told that this is set in the rules and it will forever be like that and that it's either you get zero or you get 34 billion. In our view, this is not a zero-sum game. It's a game where we all need to be dealt with with equity uh, in an equitable manner. And there is a need for reform in that regard as well. And 
The other important thing for this to happen, uh, it will help us not to participate as unequal cousins in these institutions. It will help us to participate fully and uh, so that we don't have a sense that we are beggars, that we are being dealt with uh, out of generosity. I think it's important in the new era that the world is in now that uh, there should be a good measure of equality among sovereign nations. The president also spoke about Africa being a leader in its own, being a thought leader, rising up and having a voice of its own. For example, um, when, when there's conflict all over the place, we never see African leaders taking the center stage in, in trying to mediate peace. But most recently, um, African presidents went to Ukraine to have a conversation with both parties and say, can we ensure that you fight in a civilized manner so that you guys can keep fighting? Like, I mean, whoever wins, wins, right? We don't want to get in between and we don't want to pick sides. But in, in, in your conflict, can we have a resolution that allows for the rest of the world to move on, you know? It would be better if we have a resolution to the war. But if we can't, can you guys not disrupt life, right? Because now... Um, uh, the cost of living has gone really high because we depend on these two countries for fertilizer and grains. And before you come at us for why can't you produce, it takes a lot of money, investment, effort, and also global goodwill. Because if you don't commit money to mitigation and adaptation of climate change, all the efforts that we will put in in trying to create food security on the continent will go to waste. Because at the end of the day, if we don't make the right investment, then it's all it, it will all be washed up by the rain or it will dry up during the, the dry seasons, right? And so these presidents went to Ukraine and said, we're not begging. We're not begging for free stuff. We, we can afford to buy, right? But there's no need for our people to suffer at, at the expense. There's no need for the whole continent to suffer because two countries are having a disagreement. We, we will not get in between your conflict. But can you find a way of ensuring that trade resumes so we can be able to access our goods? You know, recently, uh, seven African countries uh, decided to go, to go and put a call for peace to Ukraine and to Russia. And we raised a number of issues. Uh, Zambia was represented, Comoros was represented, uh, Republic of Congo was represented, Senegal was represented, Uganda, uh, as well as South Africa. So we were all represented, and Egypt as well. So we were all at one, that even as we were going to address an issue of the war which has had a negative impact on the African continent, which is the rise in prices for food, rise in prices for fertilizers, we were clear that we are not going there as beggars. We are not going to ask for a favor to both Ukraine and Russia. We were going there to say, open up the Black Sea Channel so that the, sea, uh, the, the, the grains and the fertilizers should go into the world market. So we were not on a begging mission, even as 
we are in great need as a continent and all that. That should go to demonstrate that Africa is, should never be seen as a continent that needs generosity. We want to be treated as equals. Even in the multilateral institutions, we want to be treated as equals. And if our equity is at a low ebb, there must be ways in which that can be addressed. To us, this is very important. Our sovereignty is one of the things that we hold on dearly to. And we demonstrated that very clearly to both President Zelensky and to President Putin when it came to this issue. Even as there were suggestions that, yes, we can donate this, we can donate that, we said, we want you to release these grains and fertilizers to the world market so that the world can trade in these commodities and other issues we can handle in a different way. I wanted to make that point so that it should be understood where Africa has evolved up to. We want to be key players on the world stage, want to be key players even in the financial uh, markets and uh, in the MDBs. The perception of Africans as, as beggars just does not stop there. We are also like looked at as children of a lesser god, the inferior race. And that came out during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now say what you want about the vaccine. People have different views and thoughts of the vaccine. But when the vaccine came out, it was almost like the, the passport that unlocked your country all over again. Remember during COVID, people had closed their borders. Business was not happening. People were not traveling. And so if a country was able to vaccinate its people or had access to vaccines, then it was perceived as a safe country and it was beginning to resume business and be a safe place. Many African countries were denied that. Many African countries did not have access to the vaccine. If anything, Europe hoarded the vaccine because they funded the AstraZeneca um, research or whatever it is. And when Africans were ready to start manufacturing um, the vaccine, there was a hustle with the patent technology of the vaccine because all big pharma cares about is profit and not people. But there have been times when we felt like we were beggars. I played a key role as chair of uh, the African Union during the COVID period. We felt like we were beggars when it came to vaccine availability. When we felt we needed access to vaccines and the Northern Hemisphere countries had bought all the vaccines in the world and they were hogging them. And they didn't want to release them at the time when we needed them most. And we felt like we were begging. And at times it felt like they would just be droppings from the table, that yes, we will give you that and that. And let me tell you something that that's generated a lot of resentment. We, we, we resented that, and it got worse when we said we want to manufacture our own vaccines. And when we went to the WTO, there was a lot of resistance, enormous resistance. And we kept saying, what is more important, life or profits by your big pharmaceutical companies? And that too, I must tell you now, 
generated and deepened that disappointment and resentment on our part because we felt like life in the Northern Hemisphere is much more important than life in the Global South. And these are issues that need to be addressed. And I'm glad that we are all seated here like this because we've got to get to the heart of these matters and address them. Now, I come to promises that have been made. And Chancellor Schultz was saying, Schultz was saying, we, we've got to walk the talk. Yes, we want to see the talk being walked. President Sassungwesu yesterday said at the dinner, $100 billion was promised per year. And he was saying, I've never seen that. And many of us will testify that that $100 billion has, has never really been made available. And this should stand out as something that needs to be addressed. Because sometimes we sit at conferences like this and say, yes, we'll make this available, this available, and we believe you. We believe you, but now the tire must hit the tar. We must now see action flowing from that. Now, I want to then talk about something very practical. Well, finally, um, President Cyril Ramaphosa said, um, if you want to be our friend, then something has to give. And so you just can't say you're a friend of Africa when, when you haven't done anything to show you're a friend. So make commitments and honor those commitments. And that's the reason why China is such a great friend of Africa, because all the commitments that China has made towards Africa, they see it through. And so President Ramaphosa was just challenging all these other African presidents that are here and saying, listen, you want to be our friend? Hold up your end of the bargain, but also pledge and do something that will show that you're really serious about being our friend. Raised it yesterday. He said he would be happy if flowing from this summit, we do something very practical on the infrastructure side. Having said that 600 million people in Africa do not have electricity, and yet we've got all the resources to generate electricity, particularly the mighty Congo River, and that there have been plans to build a number of power stations that will generate, in my calculation, up to 70,000 megawatts. And he said, and I want to speak in support of this proposal, that to prove that these summits are not summits where we just talk, flowing from the Paris uh, COP as well as others, let us now put money on the table and collectively say we are going to address this mega project a mega project which will in the end generate electricity for up to 12, 15 African countries all at one go. And this is a project that I think the multilateral development banks here working together, the call that you've made, President Macron, can actually fund. And where, as we rise from this, we should be able to say the Inga Dam is now 
going to be developed into uh, Inga power station, the one that President Sasungwesu mentioned, and the next one as well. If we can do that, then we as Africans will now be convinced that these summits are really meaningful. We will now go home and say, you know what, it's worthwhile going to these summits, coming to Europe, and to listen to all the promises because they are willing to act on the promises. This is what President Macron, I believe, will be one of the most important outcomes. The reform of the financial architecture, as well as a practical project, infrastructure project that is going to uh, add a lot of value. President Sisi and I have been talking about a, a, a railway from Cape Town to Cairo for years. We will leave that for the next uh, summit, but the one on generating electricity and building uh, power stations on the Inga Dam is the most important, that is immediate, that I believe needs to be addressed now. Let's get that done, and then we will be convinced that you are serious with the promises that you make. Thank you. Well, that's all I had for you guys on this episode of our conversation. My name is Sandra Ganga. Comment down below what you think. Do you agree with President Sri Ramaphosa that Africans are not beggars and it's high time that the West began treating them as, as, as equals or as dignified counterparts? I'll see you again next time.